Chapter 5 of Recollections of the Civil War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Crean. Recollections of the Civil War by Charles Dana, Assistant Secretary of War, 1863-1865. Chapter 5. Some Contemporary Portraits. Grant Before His Great Fame. His Friend and Mentor, General Rollins. James Harrison Wilson, Two semi-official letters to Stanton. Character sketches for the information of the President and Secretary. Mr. Dana's early judgment of soldiers who afterward won distinction. Living at headquarters as I did throughout the siege of Vicksburg, I soon became intimate with General Grant, not only knowing every operation while it was still but an idea, but studying its execution on the spot. Grant was an uncommon fellow, the most modest, the most disinterested, and the most honest man I ever knew, with a temper that nothing could disturb, and a judgment that was judicial in its comprehensiveness and wisdom. Not a great man, except morally, not an original or brilliant man, but sincere, thoughtful, deep, and gifted, with courage that never faltered. When the time came to risk all, he went in like a simple-hearted, unaffected, unpretending hero, whom no ill omens could deject and no triumph unduly exalt. A social, friendly man, too, fond of a pleasant joke, and always ready with one, but liking above all a long chat of an evening and ready to sit up with you all night talking in the cool breeze in front of his tent not a man of sentimentality not demonstrative in friendship but always holding to his friends and just even to the enemies he hated after grant i spent more time in vicksburg with his assistant adjutant-general colonel john a rawlins and with lieutenant colonel wilson than with anyone else rawlins was one of the most valuable men in the army in my judgment he had but a limited education which he had picked up at the neighborhood school and in galena illinois near which place he was born and where he had worked himself into the law but he had a very able mind clear strong and not subject to hysterics he bossed everything at Grant's headquarters. He had very little respect for persons and a rough style of conversation. I have heard him curse at Grant when, according to his judgment, the general was doing something that he thought he had better not do. But he was entirely devoted to his duty, with the clearest judgment, and perfectly fearless. Without him, Grant would not have been the same man. Rollins was essentially a good man though he was one of the most profane men i ever knew there was no guile in him he was as upright and as genuine a character as i ever came across 
james h wilson i had first met at milliken's bend when he was serving as chief topological engineer and assistant inspector general of the army of the tennessee he was a brilliant man intellectually highly educated and thoroughly companionable we became warm friends at once and were together a great deal throughout the war rarely did wilson go out on a specially interesting tour of inspection that he did not invite me to accompany him and i never failed if i were at liberty to accept his invitations much of the exact information about the condition of the works which i was able to send to mr stanton wilson put in my way i have already spoken of mcclurland sherman and mcpherson grant's three chief officers but there were many subordinate officers of value in his army not a few of whom became afterwards soldiers of distinction at the request of secretary stanton i had begun at vicksburg a series of semi-official letters in which i undertook to give my impressions of the officers in grant's army these letters were designed to help mr lincoln and mr stanton in forming their judgments of the men in order to set the personnel of the commanding force distinctly before the reader i quote here one of these letters written at cairo after the siege had ended it has never been published before and it gives my judgment at that time of the subordinate officers in the vicksburg campaign cairo illinois july twelfth eighteen sixty three dear sir your dispatch of june twenty ninth desiring me to continue my sketches i have to-day seen for the first time it was sent down the river but had not arrived when i left vicksburg on the fifth instant let me describe the generals of division and brigade in grant's army in the order of the army corps to which they are attached beginning with the thirteenth the most prominent officer of the thirteenth corps next to the commander of the corps is brigadier general a p hovey he is a lawyer of indiana and from forty to forty-five years old he is ambitious active nervous irritable energetic clear-headed quick-witted and prompt-handed he works with all his might and all his mind and unlike most volunteer officers makes it his business to learn the military profession just as if he expected to spend his life in it he distinguished himself most honorably at port gibson and champions hill and is one of the best officers in this army he is a man whose character will always command respect though he is too nervous about his personal renown and his own advancement to be considered a first-rate man morally judged by the high standard of men like grant and sherman hovey's principal brigadiers are general mcginnis and colonel slack mcginnis is brave enough but too excitable he lost his balance at champions hill he is not likely ever to be more than a brigadier slack is a solid steady man brave thorough and sensible but will never set the river afire his education is poor but he would make a respectable brigadier general and i know hopes to be promoted next to hovey is oosterhaus this general is universally well spoken of he is a pleasant genial fellow brave and quick and makes a first-rate report of a reconnaissance 
there is not another general in this army who keeps the commander-in-chief so well informed concerning whatever happens at his outposts as a disciplinarian he is not equal to hovey but is much better than some others on the battlefield he lacks energy and concentrativeness his brigadier commanders are all colonels and i don't know much of them the third division of the thirteenth corps is commanded by general a j smith an old cavalry officer of the regular service he is intrepid to recklessness his head is clear though rather thick his disposition honest and manly though given to boasting and self-exaggeration of a gentle and innocent kind his division is well cared for but is rather famous for slow instead of rapid marching mcclernand however disliked him and kept him in the rear throughout the late campaign he is a good officer to command a division in an army corps but should not be entrusted with any important independent command smith's principal brigadier is general burbridge whom i judge to be a mediocre officer brave rather pretentious a good fellow not destined to greatness the fourth division in the thirteenth corps is general cars he has really been sick throughout the campaign and had to leave to go home several weeks since but stuck it out until the surrender this may account for a critical hangback disposition which he has several times exhibited he is a man of more cultivation intelligence and thought than his colleagues generally the discipline in his camps i have thought to be poor and careless he is brave enough but lacks energy and initiative carr's brigadiers comprise general m k lawler and general lee of kansas lawler weighs two hundred and fifty pounds is a roman catholic and was a douglas democrat belongs in shawneetown illinois and served in the mexican war he is as brave as a lion and has about as much brains but his purpose is always honest and his sense is always good he is a good disciplinarian and a first-rate soldier he once hung a man of his regiment for murdering a comrade without reporting the case to his commanding general either before or after the hanging but there was no doubt the man deserved his fate grant has two or three times gently reprimanded him for indiscretions but is pretty sure to go and thank him after a battle carr's third brigadier i don't know in the fifteenth corps there are two major generals who command divisions namely steele and blair and one brigadier tuttle steele has also been sick through the campaign but has kept constantly at his post he is a gentlemanly pleasant fellow sherman has a high opinion of his capacity and every one says that he handles troops with great coolness and skill in battle to me his mind seems to work in a desultory way like the mind of a captain of infantry long habituated to garrison duty at a frontier post he takes things in bits like a gossiping companion and never comprehensively and strongly like a man of clear brain and a ruling purpose but on the whole i consider him one of the best division generals in this army yet you cannot rely on him to make a logical statement or to exercise any independent command 
of steele's brigadiers colonel woods eminently deserves promotion a hercules in form in energy and in and in pertinacity he is both safe and sure colonel manter of missouri is a respectable officer general thayer is a fair but not a first-rate officer frank blair is about the same as an officer that he is as a politician he is intelligent prompt determined rather inclining to disorder poor disciplinarian but a brave fighter i judge that he will soon leave the army and that he prefers his seat in congress to his commission in frank blair's division there are two brigadier-generals ewing and lightburn ewing seems to possess many of the qualities of his father whom you know better than i do i suppose lightburn has not served long with this army and i have had no opportunity of learning his measure placed in a command during the siege where general sherman himself directed what was to be done he has had little to do he seems to belong to the heavy rather than the rapid department of the forces colonel giles smith is one of the very best brigadiers in sherman's corps perhaps the best of all next to colonel woods he only requires the chance to develop into an officer of uncommon power and usefulness there are plenty of men with general's commissions who in all military respects are not fit to tie his shoes of general tuttle who commands sherman's third division i have already spoken and need not here repeat it bravery and zeal constitute his only qualifications for command his principal brigadier is general mauer a brilliant officer but not of large mental caliber colonel wood who commands another of his brigades is greatly esteemed by general grant but i do not know him neither do i know the commander of his third brigade three divisions of the sixteenth corps have been serving in grant's army for some times past they are all commanded by brigadier generals and the brigades by colonels the first of these divisions to arrive before vicksburg was lauman's this general got his promotion by bravery on the field and iowa political influence he is totally unfit to command a very good man but a very poor general his brigade commanders are none of them above mediocrity the next division of the sixteenth corps to join the vicksburg army was general kimball's he is not so bad a commander as lauman but he is bad enough brave of course but lacking the military instinct and the genius of generalship i don't know any of his brigade commanders the third division of the sixteenth corps now near vicksburg is that of general w s smith he is one of the best officers in that army a rigid disciplinarian his division is always ready and always safe a man of brains a hard worker unpretending quick suggestive he may also be a little crotchety for such is his reputation but i judge that he only needs the opportunity to render great services what his brigade commanders are worth i can't say but i am sure they have a first-rate schoolmaster in him i now come to the seventeenth corps and to its most prominent division general logan this is a man of remarkable qualities and peculiar character heroic and brilliant he is sometimes unsteady 
inspiring his men with his own enthusiasm on the field of battle he is splendid in all its crash and commotion but before it begins he is doubtful of the result and after it is over he is fearful we may yet be beaten a man of instinct and not of reflection his judgments are often absurd but his extemporaneous opinions are very apt to be right deficient in education he is full of generous attachments and sincere animosities on the whole few can serve the cause of the country more effectively than he and none serve it more faithfully logan's oldest brigade commander is general john d stevenson of missouri he is a person of much talent but a grumbler he was one of the oldest colonels in the volunteer service but because he had always been an anti-slavery man all the others were promoted before him this is still one of his grounds for discontent and in addition younger brigadiers have been put before him since thus the world will not go to suit him he has his own notions too of what should be done on the field of battle and general mcpherson has twice during this campaign had to rebuke him very severely for his failure to come to time on critical occasions logan's second brigade is commanded by general leggett of ohio this officer has distinguished himself during the siege and will be likely to distinguish himself hereafter he possesses a clear head an equable temper and great propulsive power over his men he is also a hard worker and whatever he touches goes easily the third brigade of this division has for a short time been commanded by colonel force i only know that logan mcpherson and grant all think well of him next in rank among mcpherson's division generals is MacArthur he has been in the reserve throughout the campaign and has had little opportunity of proving his mettle he is a shrewd steady scotchman trustworthy rather than brilliant good at hard knocks but not a great commander two of his brigadiers however have gained very honorable distinction in this campaign namely crocker who commanded quinby's division at port gibson raymond jackson and champions hill and ransom crocker was sick throughout and as soon as quinby returned to his command had to go away and it is feared may never be able to come back he is an officer of great promise and remarkable power ransom has commanded on mcpherson's right during the siege and has exceeded every other brigadier in the zeal intelligence and efficiency with which his siege works were constructed and pushed forward at the time of the surrender his trenches were so well completed that the engineers agreed that they offered the best opportunity in the whole of our lines for the advance of storming columns captain comstock told me that ten thousand men could there be marched under cover up to the very lines of the enemy in the assault of may twenty second ransom was equally conspicuous for the bravery with which he exposed himself no young man in all this army has more future than he the third brigade of macarthur's division that of general reed has been detached during the campaign at lake providence and elsewhere and i have not been able to make general r s acquaintance 
the third division of the seventeenth corps was commanded during the first of the siege by general quinby this officer was also sick and i dare say did not do justice to himself a good commander of a division he is not though he is a most excellent and estimable man and seemed to be regarded by the soldiers with much affection but he lacks order system command and is the very opposite of his successor general john e smith who with much less intellect than quinby has a great deal better sense with a firmness of character a steadiness of hand and a freedom from personal irritability and jealousy which must soon produce the happiest effect upon the division smith combines with these natural qualities of a soldier and commander a conscientious devotion not merely to the doing but also to the learning of his duty which renders him a better and better general each day he is also fit to be entrusted with any independent command where judgment and discretion are as necessary as courage and activity for in him all these qualities seem to be happily blended and balanced of general matthias who commands the brigade in this division so long and so gallantly commanded by the late colonel boomer i hear the best accounts but do not know him personally the medical inspector tells me that no camps in the lines are kept in so good condition as his and general sherman under whom he lately served speaks of him as a very valuable officer the second brigade is commanded by colonel sanborn a steady mediocre sort of man the third by colonel holmes whom i don't know personally but who made a noble fight at champions hill and saved our centre there from being broken general heron's division is the newest addition to the forces under grant except the ninth corps of which i know nothing except that its discipline and organization exceed those of the western troops heron is a driving energetic sort of young fellow not deficient either in self-esteem or in common sense and as i judge hardly destined to distinctions higher than those he has already acquired of his two brigadiers van dever has not proved himself of much account during the siege orm i have seen but do not know heron has shown a great deal more both of capacity and force than either of them but he is not the first great requisite of a soldier obedience to orders and believes too much in doing things his own way thus for ten days after he had taken his position he disregarded the order properly to picket the bottom between the bluff and the river on his left he had made up his own mind that nobody could get out of the town by that way and accordingly neglected to have the place thoroughly examined in order to render the matter clear and certain presently grant discovered that men from the town were making their escape through that bottom and then a more peremptory command to heron set the matter right by the establishment of the necessary pickets i must not omit a general who formerly commanded a brigadier in logan's division and has for some time been detached to a separate command at milliken's bend i mean general dennis he is a hard-headed hard-working conscientious man who never knows when he is beaten and consequently is very hard to beat he is not brilliant but safe sound and trustworthy 
his predecessor in that command general sullivan has for some time been at grant's headquarters doing nothing with more energy and effect than he would be likely to show in any other line of duty he is a gentlemanly fellow intelligent a charming companion but heavy jovial and lazy i might write another letter on the staff officers and staff organization of grant's army should you desire it yours faithfully c a dana copy to mr stanton the day after sending to mr stanton this letter on the generals of divisions and of brigades in the army which besieged vicksburg i wrote him another on the staff officers of the various corps like its predecessor this letter has never appeared in the records of the war cairo illinois july thirteenth eighteen sixty three dear sir in my letter of yesterday i accidentally omitted to notice general c c washburn among the generals of division in grant's army he is now in command of two of the divisions detached from the sixteenth army corps namely that of kimball and that of w s smith and as i happen to know is anxious to be put in command of an army corps for which purpose it has been suggested that a new corps might be created out of these two divisions with the addition of that of lauman also detached from the sixteenth or that of Huron. but i understand from general grant that he is not favorable to any such arrangement washburn being one of the very youngest in rank of his major generals he intends to put him in command of a single division as soon as possible in order that he may prove his fitness for higher commands by actual service and give no occasion for older soldiers to complain that he was promoted without regard to his merits i know washburn very well both as a politician and a military man and i say frankly that he has better qualities for the latter than for the former function he is brave steady respectable receives suggestions and weighs them carefully is not above being advised but acts with independence nevertheless his judgment is good and his vigilance sufficient i have not seen him in battle however and cannot say how far he holds his mind there i don't find in him i am sorry to say that effort to learn the military art which every commander ought to exhibit no matter whether he has received a military education or not washburn's whole soul is not put into the business of arms and for me that is an unpardonable defect but he is a good man and above the average of our generals at least of those in grant's command i now come to the staff organization and staff officers in this army beginning of course with those connected with the head of the department grant's staff is a curious mixture of good bad and indifferent as he is neither an organizer nor a disciplinarian himself his staff is naturally a mosaic of accidental elements and family friends it contains four working men two whom are able to accomplish their duties without much work and several who either don't think of work or who accomplish nothing no matter what they undertake lieutenant colonel rawlins grant's assistant adjutant general is a very industrious conscientious man who never loses a moment and never gives himself any indulgence 
except swearing and scolding he is a lawyer by profession a townsman of grant's and has a great influence over him especially because he watches him day and night and whenever he commits the folly of tasting liquor hastens to remind him that at the beginning of the war he gave him rollins his word of honor not to touch a drop as long as it lasted grant thinks rollins a first-rate adjutant but i think this is a mistake he is too slow and can't write the english language correctly without a great deal of careful consideration indeed illiterateness is a general characteristic of grant's staff and in fact of grant's generals and regimental officers of all ranks major bowers judge advocate of grant's staff is an excellent man and always finds work to do lieutenant colonel wilson inspector general is a person of similar disposition he is a captain of engineers in the regular army and has rendered valuable services in that capacity the fortification of haines bluff were designed by him and executed under his direction his leading idea is the idea of duty and he applies it vigorously and often impatiently to others in consequence he is unpopular among all who like to live with little work but he has remarkable talents and uncommon executive power and will be heard from hereafter the quartermaster's department is under charge of lieutenant colonel bingham who is one of those i spoke of as accomplishing much with little work he is an invalid almost and i have never seen him when he appeared to be perfectly well but he is a man of first-rate abilities and solid character and barring physical weakness up to greater responsibilities than those he now bears the chief commissary lieutenant colonel mcfeely is a jolly agreeable fellow who never seems to be at work but i have heard no complaints of deficiencies in his department on the contrary it seems to be one of the most officious parts of this great machine lieutenant colonel kent provost marshal general is a very industrious and sensible man a great improvement on his predecessor colonel hillier who was a family and personal friend of grant's there are two aides de camp with the rank of colonel namely colonel a and colonel b both personal friends of grant's a is a worthless whiskey-drinking useless fellow b is decent and gentlemanly but neither of them is worth his salt so far as service to the government goes indeed in all my observation i have never discovered the use of grant's aides de camp at all on the battlefield he sometimes sends orders by them but everywhere else they are idle loafers i suppose the army would be better off if they were all suppressed especially the colonels grant has three aides with the rank of captain captain c is a relative of mrs grant he has been a stage driver and violates english grammar at every phrase he is of some use for he attends to the mails captain d is an elegant young officer of the regular cavalry he rides after the general when he rides out the rest of the time he does nothing at all captain Badeau, wounded at port hudson since he was attached to grant's staff has not yet reported 
i must not omit the general medical staff of this army it is in bad order its head dr mills is impracticable earnest quarrelsome he was relieved several weeks since but grant likes him and kept him on till the fall of vicksburg in this he was right no doubt for a change during the siege would have been troublesome the change i presume will now be made it must be for the better the office of chief of artillery on the general staff i had forgotten as well as that of chief engineer the former is occupied by lieutenant colonel duff of the second illinois artillery he is unequal to the position not only because he is disqualified by sickness but because he does not sufficiently understand the management of artillery the siege suffered greatly from his incompetence general grant knows of course that he is not the right person but it is one of his weaknesses that he is unwilling to hurt the feelings of a friend and so he keeps him on the chief engineer captain comstock is an officer of great merit he has too what his predecessor captain prime lacked a talent for organization his ascension to the army will be the source of much improvement if general grant had about him a staff of thoroughly competent men disciplinarians and workers the efficiency and fighting quality of his army would soon be much increased as it is things go too much by hazard and by spasms or when the pinch comes grant forces through by his own energy and main strength what proper organization and proper staff officers would have done already the staff of the thirteenth corps was formed by general mcclernand the acting adjutant general lieutenant colonel skates is a man of about fifty-five or sixty years old he is a judge in illinois and left an honored and influential social position to serve in the army general ord speaks in high terms of him as an officer the chief of artillery colonel f is an ass the general quartermaster lieutenant colonel g general mcclernand's father-in-law lately resigned his commission he is incompetent his successor has not yet been appointed the chief commissary lieutenant colonel h is a fussy fellow who with much show accomplishes but little general mcclernand's aides went away with him or are absent on leave not a man of them is worth having the engineer on his staff lieutenant haynes is an industrious and useful officer the medical director dr hammond has just been appointed in the fifteenth corps staff all have to be working men for sherman tolerates no idlers and finds something for everybody to do if an officer proves unfit for his position he shifts him to some other place thus his adjutant lieutenant colonel hammond a restless kentuckian kept everything in a row as long as he remained in that office sherman has accordingly made him inspector general and during the last two months has kept him constantly employed on scouting parties in his place as adjutant is captain sawyer a quiet industrious efficient person 
the chief of artillery major taylor directed by sherman's omnipresent eye and quick judgment is an officer of great value though under another general he might not be worth so much the chief engineer captain pitsman wounded about july fifteen is a man of merit and his departure was a great loss to the regular ranks general sherman has three aides-de-camp captain mccoy captain dayton and lieutenant hill and as i have said neither of them holds a sinecure office his medical director dr mcmillan is a good physician i believe he has been in a constant contention with dr mills the quartermaster lieutenant colonel j c smith is a most efficient officer he has been doing duty as commissary also on the whole general sherman has a very small and very efficient staff but the efficiency comes mainly from him what a splendid soldier he is the staff of the seventeenth army corps is the most complete the most numerous and in some respects the most serviceable in this army the adjutant general lieutenant colonel clark is a person of uncommon quickness is always at work and keeps everything in his department in first-rate order the inspector general lieutenant colonel strong does his duties with promptness and thoroughness his reports are models the chief of artillery lieutenant colonel powell thoroughly understands his business and attends to it diligently the provost marshal general lieutenant colonel wilson is a judicious and industrious man both the quartermaster and commissary are new men captains and i do not know them but mcpherson speaks highly of them the medical director dr boucher has the reputation of keeping his hospitals in better order and making his reports more promptly and satisfactorily than any other medical officer in this army general mcpherson has four aides de camp captain steele captain gile captain knox and lieutenant vernay the last of these is the best and captain steele is next to him the engineer officer captain hickenlooper is a laborious man quick watchful but not of great capacity the picket officer major willard whom i accidentally named last is a person of unusual merit in the staffs of the division and brigadier generals i do not now recall any officer of extraordinary capacity there may be such but i have not made their acquaintance on the other hand i have made the acquaintance of some who seemed quite unfit for their posts i must not omit however to speak here of captain tresillian engineer on the staff of major-general logan his general services during the siege were not conspicuous but he deserves great credit for constructing the wooden mortars which general mcpherson used near its close with most remarkable effect both the idea and the work were tresillians very possibly you may not wish to go through this mass of details respecting so many officers of inferior grades upon which claims you may never be called to pass judgment but if you care to read them here they are i remain dear sir yours very faithfully c a dana copy to mr stanton end of chapter five recording by john crean lilburn georgia